Well, good morning. Are you ready to worship? All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Dennis Beausejour. We welcome you to the Sunday morning uh, worship gathering of Marymount Community Church. You're welcome. We're glad you're with us. If you're new, uh, check out some of the slides after the service. If you need prayer or you want to connect, there's lots of ways for you to do that over the course of this morning uh, service. And uh, as I call us to worship, I'm going to be in Psalm 50, uh, the first two verses. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. So that is our theme this morning, the beauty of God shining forth. Uh, we're going to explore the beautiful God as we continue our series called Astonished. And uh, this morning you'll get an opportunity to draw and uh, exercise uh, childlike creativity. You'll get an opportunity to celebrate communion. And uh, we will be following the message with worship. So let me start us with prayer. Father, after a long season of hardship for many, uh, a season, Lord, of radical changes to our lives, we can simply say, but God. But Lord, you knew this did not take you by surprise. And you have provided an antidote to COVID, an antidote to anxiety, an antidote to depression, an antidote to fear, and that is the beauty of Jesus. So today, Lord, we declare your beauty. We welcome you into this time and place. Father, we ask you would do whatever you wish this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, and the church agreed and said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, look, if you live near Marymount Community Church's building location here at in 45227 area code we mailed 4600 of these to uh, all of our neighbors within about a two mile radius of here so if you live nearby just be aware of that that is going to be a great conversation starter uh, that person may be ready to seek out a church that person may be ready to worship uh, they may not be. So on here, there's online information and a description of who we are. So use that as conversation starters with your neighbors. Remember, we have uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, coming up in three weeks from today. It's a great time to invite. It, I don't know about COVID, but at least pre-COVID, if you invited somebody to Easter, the odds of them saying yes were 82%. Uh, so... Uh, Keep that in mind. With warm weather and vaccinations happening, I did get my first shot on Friday. So uh, many of you who have had vaccines have begun to return to worship. Uh, this is safe. We're going to be wearing masks until that is not uh, no longer necessary. But uh, as we have more returning to worship, we're going to add a second service at 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. So in the next slide, you just have the details there. Uh, two services at 9 and 11 on Easter Sunday. 
There will be fellowship on the porch between services, 10.30 to 11, and the chef uh, will be providing us with a uh, healthy uh, sanitary snack to enjoy on the front porch. And then uh, on the rest of April, we're going to test continuing with the 11 o'clock service. So if you've been uh, desiring an 11 o'clock service, and that's one of the reasons you're not here, well, please come on Easter, and please plan to be here through the month of April. During the month of April, we will leave children ministry at 9 and youth ministry at 1030. Uh, And then towards the end of April, we will make a decision about what we do in May, and obviously our goal will be to have two services in May, provided that uh, we have demand, and also provided that we have volunteers. And I know after a year of being at home in your pajamas, volunteering for church may not be the first thing on your list, but we want to be ready to welcome people back, and we want to do it in the Marymount way. We want to do it right, okay? So uh, that's the news on service changes. Now, over the past uh, three years, we have been generally building up a surplus in our general fund budget. Last year, with COVID, we gave away $35,000 to ministries in need, and we still had a surplus. So it, it led us to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 to 15. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much has, had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So we decided to invest our surplus, and the elders this past week approved $100,000 in grants uh, for special projects for our mission partners. Let me just tell you about some of these. It's pretty amazing, and you ought to be... You ought to be uh, just in, in excitement for what God's going to do through these investments. So uh, we've got Farming God's Way, a discipleship farm that's going to be built in Chad with African Inland Mission. We're going to create an app to reach Muslims throughout the Middle East with the gospel through Call of Love. We're going to put new school floors in at the school that handles about 40 of the Casahogar Mamapolita children, orphans in Mexico. We're going to give Child Hope Nepal 20 tablets, which will allow them to communicate and do discipleship training to 20 people at a time. So that's going to reach 400 people. There are already 60 church planters in Nepal, and that work is moving like wildfire through the nation of Nepal. So Uh, That's a super exciting one. We're going to be funding a new website and store for Equipping Ministries International, our uh, partner ministry here. Uh, That will serve missionaries and uh, people uh, implementing their training in 96 different countries. We're going to do a recruiting video for the Greater Cincinnati Prayer Canopy, which will help us recruit new churches and move the canopy Uh, into more and more uh, churches participating. We already have almost 50 churches. Our goal with this video is to go to 100 churches uh, in the prayer canopy. The uh, 
believers in Israel who are coming out of the military need college scholarships. <clears throat> so now we are uh, participating and praying for 24, uh, uh, sorry, 26 Israeli college students who are believers uh, who have come out of the military and are now going to be influencing their fellow students with the gospel and then getting jobs and being influential in the Israeli culture. We're going to be discipling inner-city youth through the Lord's Gym program. We're going to be discipling African-American students in university through a special navigators program that's going to happen this summer. Uh, we are going to be discipling, uh, uh, sorry, seeking and reaching uh, unreached people groups in Pakistan uh, through a ministry called New Generations, and they will be, uh, we will be funding a missionary couple who has already started 47 discovery groups among two Muslim people groups that are unreached in Pakistan. We have discipling of Filipino children. Uh, in, in the Philippines, children have had no school for a year, no online school, no school period, because 80% of them live in three-generation households, and they're afraid that the children will make the grandparents sick. So they've had no school, so we're going to have a, a ministry, again, new generations, bringing uh, classrooms on wheels to villages uh, and reaching Muslim children with uh, mobile education uh, efforts. We will be doing youth discipleship in South Africa, expanding to a new high school campus. And then Tapestry of Love, our women's prison ministry, will be supplying backpacks and books heading into the new school year this coming uh, August uh, for all of the inmates' kids that we are serving. So here is thousands of people uh, being impacted, huge kingdom multiplication. And I was in First Chronicles this week. It reminded me, uh, as David and Solomon looked at what God had done, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So church, you ought to be really excited and really blessed and proud to be part of a generous congregation that's able, with God's blessing, to make these kinds of kingdom investments. And Palm Sunday, two weeks from today, we are going to be looking at the subject of the missional God. And as part of that Palm Sunday uh, gathering, we're going to have baptisms. So if you have not been baptized uh, as an uh, adult believer or as a believer that knew what you were doing in baptism, if you want to have the Lord wash away your sin, declare your allegiance to Jesus, then this is an opportunity for you on Palm Sunday contact Jamie at Marymount Church. We do want to make sure everybody who's being baptized is ready to be baptized. So, uh, And secondly, we're going to do a special missions offering. So <clears throat> we did this last year. So basically the idea is we just invested in special projects. Now we want to look at our missionary partners and we want to look at their personal support accounts. Many of them have been impacted by COVID so we want to declare a special offering for uh, the missionary that is particularly close to your heart. So all that missionary information will be on the Facebook Families Facebook page, so you can get that information. Or if you want more information, you can contact Zeke Swift at gmail.com. 
and we will take those offerings two weeks from today and encourage you to pray and um, some of us are getting stimulus checks that we may not fully need and so maybe it's time uh, to take some of this money and and it's not I'm not sure we need 1.9 trillion but let's take some of it and put it into kingdom mission uh, so let me pray father we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst and we now offer ourselves to you as we move into uh, the study of your word that you would fill this time and place in Jesus name amen and to uh, introduce the sermon this morning, let's watch a brief video. What a God. What power. Why did he lavish such a universe upon a creature like us? Why isn't that overdoing it? What a universe. And what a God. God rejoices in the works of creation because they point us beyond themselves to God. God does mean for us to be stunned and awed by his creation, but not for its own sake. He means for us to say, if the work of God's hands is so abundant with power and wisdom and majesty and grandeur and beauty, what must God be like? What must the Creator be like if the flinging out of His fingers is so majestic and grand and great and glorious? In the end, it's not going to be the seas. It's not going to be the ocean. It's not going to be the deserts or the flowers or the mountains. It's not going to be the grand galaxies. It's going to be God himself that satisfies the soul. Nothing short of God will do. The infinite expanses of the galaxies will not satisfy my longing for grandeur. Only the Maker Himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Mm. So that's what we're all about today. To examine the beautiful God. To look at Him and to have an encounter with Him and to be changed by the beauty of our God. We yearn for beauty. We recognize beauty. And uh, we were made for beauty. In a COVID world, we have uh, a clear picture of a marred creation, a clear picture of things that are not right. And we turn instead our gaze to the one who is beauty, who is right. And so our goal this morning is a single-minded passion to seek God's face, to recognize his beauty, and to gaze on his beauty. 
So we're coming out of Psalm 27, verse 4, which says, One I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David is encouraging us to look upward to the beauty of our God. As he composed Psalm 27, he was in a state of incredible stress. He was in a state of incredible difficulty. And yet this vision of the beautiful God and we, we have every reason to believe from the text this was not a physical presentation of God, but this was what David saw in his mind's eye, in his heart, uh, in his experience of seeking the Lord at a time of incredible stress, incredible difficulty, war, and surrounding by enemies. So the big idea this morning is that seeking and gazing on the beauty of God is the one thing that will please Him and transform us. That gazing on the beauty of God is the one thing that will please Him and will transform us. So how we're going to go about this is I'm going to teach for about 20 to 25 minutes. We're then going to have an extended time of worship uh, for about the same amount of time. And during that time, you're going to have an opportunity to draw. You're going to have an opportunity to take communion. You have an opportunity to praise the Lord and to uh, give him costly praise. And I'll, I'll cover that through the message. And uh, we'll have, I believe, Christine and uh, Natalie will be painting. Um, We'll be also giving you the opportunity to do that. If you look around, there's clipboards everywhere with crayons and paper on it. So when the time comes, we're going to reach into that. Now, today's message began in Psalm 27, but it grew out of a word study of the word beauty. And I literally traced it through the Bible, and I found five things that I think the Lord just said, this is the message, Dennis. One, two, three, four, five. So here it is. First of all, uh, God is the pinnacle of beauty. He is the most beautiful being uh, in, the ex in existence, which is Psalm 27.4. Next, his beauty is revealed in all that he made. We'll be in Ecclesiastes 3. He put his beauty aside for us, and we'll see that in Isaiah 53. He turns our ashes into crowns of beauty. That's the transforming work of the gospel. That's in Isaiah 61. And then in Matthew 26, we're going to see how much costly worship blesses the Lord and how beautiful he considers that to be. So let me pray. Father, let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. And have your way, have your way today, Lord, with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So God is the pinnacle of beauty, the most beautiful being in existence. And there's going to be something about 
seeing him face to face that is going to be an all-consuming, melting, uh, transcendent experience that will last for eternity. As he is with us, it will last for eternity. There's something uh, traced out in the scriptures from beginning to end where his majesty and his beauty and his perfection will be made known to us. And this will be a composite of his physical beauty, his radiance, the sheer light coming off of him. But also it will be the, the strength of his character. It will be the power and the majesty and will be the loving way that he has wielded these things uh, across human history that will melt our spirits, melt our souls. And so I just want to ask, okay, so what was David seeing in Psalm 27? What, what, what was he seeing there? Well, as I mentioned earlier, he's surrounded by enemies. His own family, his own family has discarded him. And, and what does he see? He sees this being, this, it's almost like he, he gets this supernatural revelation because he's, he's seeing light and glory coming off of the, of the presence of God. He's seeing salvation, meaning rescue. He's seeing like I'm going, I am being rescued. He's seeing that in the face of all these enemies around, he has total confidence that he is going to be victorious. He sees God's protection And despite being in high stress and high anxiety and who knows what his generals and his soldiers are telling him, uh, and then he sees God's faithfulness in contrast to human fickleness, which is his family and his enemies. He talks about teaching that has been with him. And remember, when he wrote Psalm 23, he talked about, you lead me in paths of righteousness. There's teaching that brings the kind of outcome to his life that are good all the time. And then he sees that he has strength when it's time to wait. You know, we've all been tested. I think all of us have hit the wall in some fashion in the last year. We've had frayed relationships. We've had shortness with each other. We've had despair. We've had despondency. We've wondered if it's ever going to be back to normal. This, this time has been a time to wait. For some of us, we're waiting on work. For some of us, we're waiting when we can visit our families. We're waiting when the border with Canada will be open so we can visit our family. You know, we're waiting. And David is here, and you remember from the David series that he waited almost 25 years from the time he was anointed king to the time he became the king in Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant and all the bells and whistles. 25 years. So he knows what it's like. And this is what he's seeing. In the middle of war, he's seeing beauty. He's seeing shalom. He's seeing this constant strength and provision from God. So that's part one. This is the most beautiful being in all of existence for, for all these reasons. And, and wait, there, there is more. So let's go to part two. He is a consummate artist. 
and he is the author of all beauty, and his beauty is revealed in everything that he has made. And that video to me was so helpful because we can get distracted looking at the creation, but that's not to be worshipped in itself, it's to point the way to him. What must he be like if he made that? So, uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything is beautiful in its time. And in its time is important because we know from the good book that the time for things to be all beautiful, like in Revelation 21 and 22, is to come. Right? Where we are right now is not where God is ending up and wanting to end up. We're in the middle of it, but in its time. And so obviously one way we connect with the beauty of God is, is the creation. On Friday, I was leaning back in a deck chair. There were hawks hovering over above. The sky was perfect blue. The pine tree uh, near my deck had these big pine cones on the top. That's the new the new life coming in the spring, these hawks flying over, uh, a beautiful breeze, and lilies coming out of the ground. And you, you're in that time of the year where the seasons actually point to the resurrection, right? They actually point to the new life. So for me, that's one way to gaze on the beauty of the Lord is to start with creation. I've got a picture here. I don't know there's a debate in the staff if this is from Colorado or Canada, but uh, either way, uh, either way, we can begin here. And, and I want to just ask you a question. How do you go about gazing on the beauty of the Lord? If you're online, you can just text your thoughts in there. We're amongst yourselves. We're not monitoring. Uh, I'm not monitoring the text this morning, but like what do you start with? For some of us, it's music. For some of us, it's painting. For some of us, uh, it's walking in the wilderness. For some of us, it's, it's, it's nature as a way to do. For others, it's scripture. We can read this and be transported into eternity. The, the, these pages crackle with the invitation to eternity for some of us. So whatever that is, how will you gaze on the beauty of the Lord? Obviously, it takes concentration. It takes an overt decision to do so. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. So how will you gaze on God? And maybe you need a little motivation. Let's, let's look at what A.W. Tozer says about, about this. While we are looking at God... We do not see ourselves. Blessed riddance. (laughs) The man who has struggled to purify himself and has had nothing but repeated failures will experience real relief when he stops tinkering with his own soul and looks away to the perfect one. It's an invitation to get off of our problems, to get off of our circumstances, to get off of our human limitations, and to gaze on the perfect one while he gazes at Jesus the very things he has been so long trying to do 
will be getting done within him. It will be God working within him to will and to do. So, he's made everything beautiful and he has invited us to gaze at his beauty. The third part of the message this morning is is a little bit surprising, but I see that he put his beauty aside to come and get us. In in, uh, Isaiah 53, we see the suffering servant, the little poem about the suffering servant, and it begins in uh, 52.12, but in 53.2, He says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He let his beauty that he owned in heaven, he let that aside. Philippians 2 says he emptied himself of uh, all of that divine pomp and circumstances to become one of us. And Uh, in that he was not particularly attractive and he certainly had no royalty. He was born in a cave and uh, brought out of dry ground. So this this is this beautiful Messiah who comes by laying his beauty aside for you and me. And in 53, Isaiah 53, it goes on. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, Check this. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So not only did he set his beauty aside, but he then entered into the ugliest part and the most gruesome human death possible. 25 years ago this weekend on a hillside in Hong Kong I became aware of this truth in a way that I had never been able to grasp before. The Lord revealed himself in a full way and I saw the cost of my sin. And I spent the weekend sobbing uncontrollably sobbing. If we have not seen the cost of our iniquity, if we've not grasped that and how we pulverized his beauty to be able to receive that, then we probably haven't fully grasped the good news of the gospel, what has been done for us. And not only that, Iniquity has no place in our lives. And if there's anyone today struggling with sin, struggling with iniquity, struggling with uh, this sense of shame and stuckness 
in our sin. This is the day and this is the season to move beyond that. To confess that, to turn from that. Do not let this moment go by without dealing with whatever that might be. Anger, pornography, uh, substance abuse, anxiety, fear, whatever is grabbing hold of you that is whatever part of God you don't trust, all of that is sin. It's iniquity. It's, it's not for a follower of Jesus. He came and laid his beauty aside to destroy that. So let him do that. And that brings us to part four, that he turns our ashes into crowns of beauty. He transforms all of that mess that we've created. By his blood, he cleans it up. He totally changes and transforms that. This is a, a miracle of grace. You know, on, on March 20th, Dennis and Helen Spurgeon will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Congratulations, Spurgeons. Now, they told their story here a while ago, and um, it's not been a straight shot because they were actually divorced and then remarried to each other. And in a, a season of sin and destruction, God came in and rescued them and rescued their marriage and made what was ugly beautiful. He transformed them through his grace. He actually performed his word in Isaiah 61. He bestowed on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, uh, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And then it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And Dennis and Helen Spurgeon are oaks of righteousness now. They weren't at one point, but they are now because he turns our ashes into crowns of beauty. He knows how to do a total makeover. He knows how to transform a human life. And if you're walking with him and you've experienced part transformation, um, gaze on his beauty and get the whole thing. Get the whole thing that he intends because that is what he came to do. You know, this, this Isaiah 61 is part of our family vision. It is that we would plant generations of spiritual oak trees as far as we can see. These little seedlings right here, uh, we're collaborating to, that they would become oaks of righteousness. Not because we're special, but because God promises that right here. That's what he's invited us into. <clears throat> and by the way, it's the same for all of Marymount Church. That every single one would experience the whole gospel, the whole kingdom, the wholeness of the promises of God, the wholeness of 
sanctification, the wholeness of salvation, the whole gospel for the whole church, as a matter of fact, for the whole city and for the whole world. And what do I mean by that whole gospel? Well, sometimes the church in America is preaching the little gospel. The little gospel says, say a prayer, invite Jesus into your heart, and you can go to heaven when you die. Now that's partly, that's, that's true. But that's just a small part of it. The big gospel says, no, 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 you're not inviting Jesus into your heart. He's inviting you into his kingdom. He's coming to change the whole world. He's coming to redeem every single thing that is broken. He's coming to transform the creation. His intention is that we will be in the garden in all of eternity with the heaven and the earth joined with him living with us just like it was in Genesis 1 and 2. So we're not just trying to get some fire insurance to go to heaven when we die. We're trying to have heaven get into us now so we can see his vision. And it, it means that <clears throat> the little gospel is private faith. The big gospel is public faith. The little gospel is, that's good for me. The big gospel is, that's good for the whole world. So when we talk about this transforming beauty of, of ashes into crowns of beauty, we're talking about a spiritual transformation for the whole of life. And it's not just that we get the spiritual part of our pie right, but he wants the whole pie. He wants work and family and our sex lives and our relationships and our finances and everything through the lens of the gospel. That's why we're doing the, this abundance giving to our kingdom partners. That's why we're doing the, the missions offering on Palm Sunday because what we're saying is the gospel means that we have everything in our possession now invested to bring the kingdom as far as we can to as many people as we can uh, in our lifetime and beyond. Because we're not living for now, we're living for eternity. We're living for the moment when that beauty of God just covers the earth. And His kingdom covers the earth. That is what we're looking for. And the gospel itself is a beautiful exchange. Look what happens. Jesus left everything behind in utter humility. He received our punishment despite being sinless. He rose from the grave to defeat death. He ascended into heaven to his rightful authority as majesty. He poured out the Holy Spirit on the church and he gives us his inheritance forever, spiritual oak trees for the kingdom of God. So we orient everything <clears throat> to the kingdom. The big gospel <clears throat> also brings big discipleship. The big gospel brings big worship. The big gospel brings big generosity. The big gospel brings big lives lived for God's glory. 
because we're seeing the whole intention of what he had in mind. And this is part of his beauty. So the last part of the message, and and we'll celebrate this beautiful exchange. We'll celebrate that at communion because what you will do at communion is you repent from sin as you seek him, he will forgive you and cleanse you. And when you have communion, you are receiving what he did for us on the cross, the body and blood of Christ given for the removal of sin and for the sanctification of us completely. And that brings us to the last part, which is that costly worship is beautiful to him. In Matthew 26, we see that Mary of Bethany comes and anoints him for burial. She pours out, she breaks a flask of nard and she pours it on his feet and anoints him. That is representing one year's worth of wages. That would be like bringing a check for one year's worth of wages and giving it to the king today. I mean, that's lavish generosity. And he says, why are you bothering this woman? You know, the guys were saying, hey, we could have used that for the poor. That's, that's, you know, Jamie and I were talking about this this week. That's the spirit of Judas. That's the spirit of Judas that is, you know, false religion. What, what, what we're seeing here in this picture is a woman is pouring out everything she's got. She's wasting her breath. She's wasting every resource she's got for him. She's pouring it out. And he says, whenever the gospel is preached, and I'm being obedient to that this morning, whenever the gospel is preached, what she has done for me. And he says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus considers worship, costly worship, beautiful. So we actually have the the power, the opportunity to have the most beautiful being in the world declare that what we're doing is beautiful. Think about that. So I don't know what costly worship looks like to you. This morning, as the band comes up, and y'all can come on up, this morning, it might be that you're going to worship on your knees if you're able. It might be that you're going to worship flat on your face. It might be that you realize there is someone I need to tell about the kingdom of God. And I need to just get over my fear of that. There may be a costly offering that God will lead you to make as we move into uh, Palm Sunday. I don't know what it will look like to you. All I know is that costly worship is a thing of beauty to the most beautiful being in the world. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to transition and um, we're going to respond to our beautiful God. And we've just been praying this morning that this would be a time of encounter for you 
whether you're at home or here, to gaze on his beauty. So the first third of our time, and this is going to be something like seven or eight minutes each, so you have plenty of time. We're just going to close our eyes and gaze on the beauty of God. And when you uh, get a glimpse of him, draw a picture of it. This may feel childish because we just got crayons and paper, but let's be like children and just, ga- just gaze on the Lord and draw what we see. And it's not, you're not going to show it to anybody. You're going to maybe bring it home and put it in your Bible and it will be a marker for you of your, your building the skill of gazing on the beauty of the Lord, just like David. And then uh, the music will probably transition a bit and get a little bit more movement to it, and we will remember his beauty given for our ashes. And when we're ready, we'll go up and we'll trade in our ashes for crowns of beauty um, by the body and blood that he gave for us. And then we'll close our time together to worship at his feet and Ask him what would be a costly offering, Lord. And let him tell you and then do what he tells you. Whether it's today or this week or next week, whatever. Your small group leaders have uh, small group questions. But I'll just read them here. How has God given you beauty for ashes? Maybe you can remember what he did for you. I know what he did for me 25 years ago. Totally reordered my life. How will you try to gaze on God's beauty? What costly worship will you give your king this week? And how would you convey God's beauty to a neighbor this week? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, we invite you to have your way with us now in this time. thank you for your beauty. Lord, we we don't want to just admire it. We want to follow you with all our hearts. We thank you for the beautiful exchange. We thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence, experiencing your beauty. Lord, I pray that we, as we go from here, would experience, seek, and gaze at your beauty. 
every day, all the days of our lives, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, uh, two weeks from today, baptisms and also our missional God offering. And I just want to encourage everybody, even, um, even our kids, to participate uh, in that offering. It would be really special to be able to tell our missionaries that almost everyone in the church participated. Uh, but we uh, look forward to seeing what God's going to do as we invest in his kingdom through costly worship that one day he will call it beautiful. Amen? So my benediction for you today is a promise. If you keep gazing on God, things will happen. And the way I can guarantee that for you is this scripture from the Apostle Paul. Let's speak this over ourselves. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As you gaze on the Lord, you become more like him. That's part of his plan. So gaze on the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Have a blessed week.